This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, Baruch uh, welcome everyone. This is the uh, second to last year for Purim. Um, the penultimate shear before Purim. And uh, if you've been following the shear every year, we have an annual Rabbi Yonason Eibeshit shear. We've already established the Klal. You can't have Purim without Rabbi Yonason Eibeshit. So here we are. We have uh, very exciting information. And we begin with a Pasuk in Megillah Sester in number one in Parak Dalit, Pasuk Yudzayin. The Pasuk says, Vayavar <clears throat> Mordechai. Mordechai was over. He passed over. And he did everything that Esther commanded him, her, commanded him. Mordechai. Mordechai was over. He passed over. He crossed over. What, is, what does this Pasuk mean? What did he pass over? What did he cross over? So you have a Machloikis, Rav and Shmuel, and the Gemara Megillah, and Daf Tezvav. says the Gemara, Vayavar Mordechai, Omarav, Shehever Yoim Rishon Shal Pesach Betainis. He violated the first day of Pesach by fasting. He fasted on the first day of Pesach. Of course, on every yomt if you need to, to eat. And Mordechai violated the first day of Pesach by fasting. Ushmuel Amar, and Shmuel said, Da'avar Arkuma Demaya. He passed over, he crossed over a river of water. Very interesting. So Rav holds that he violated Pesach, and Shmuel says he crossed over a river. Now, I would say like this. Uh, there's another sheet over here. I would say, Bishlam, according to Rav, I understand why the Pasuk and the Megillah is telling me that Mordechai violated. Uh, that's certainly something of note. That's something very noteworthy to know that Mordechai, in following the directive of Esther, right? Esther said, look, we got to gather all the Jews together. We need to fast for three days. Then Mordechai followed the orders of Esther and he fasted even on Pesach. This is certainly of note. But Shmuel, Shmuel says, of our Arkuma Damaya, he passed over a river? I mean, the obvious question is, who cares? Who cares he crossed over a river? What difference does it make? Why in the world would the Megillah make note of the fact that Mordechai crossed over a river? Maybe he also stepped over a rock. I mean, maybe he gently stepped over a leaf that fell on the floor. Who cares that he crossed over a river? Well, Rabbi Yonatan Ibishitz in the Yaros Devash and Chilak Beis, he asked the Yeshlahave, number 300 sheet, what's the Megillah trying to teach? Now, Rabbi said, to me, this whole thing sounds like Purim Taira. I mean, why did Mordechai cross the river? Look at Rashi. Why did Mordechai cross the river? To get to the other side. Very good. That's the, you know, we don't even have to do, um, why? How do you know Achashur was hard of hearing? Who? Mm-hmm. Forget that. I have much better Purim Torah. Why did Achashur, Why did uh, Mordechai cross the river to get to the other side? Wow, Mamish Gainistika Torah here, right? What in the world is the Gemara saying? Shmuel says, "Vayavar Mordechai." Mordechai crossed over the river. Why? To gather the Jews on the other side. You're kidding me! I didn't realize he crossed over the river to get to the second side. One of the well-known psukim in the Megillah, Ish Yehudi Haya, where? B'Shushan Habira. There was a Jew in Shushan Habira. Where? Really? There was a Jew in Shushan Habira? There were many Jews in Shushan Habira. There were, there were thousands of Jews. That's the whole Purim story. 
Good morning, uh, Shushan. There's a Jew in Shushan. I mean, that's the whole story. Or Shushan. Shushan. That's the whole story. Um, I mean, what in the world is McGill saying? Is there was a Jew in Shushan? The whole Jewish community lived in Shushan. The whole, the whole neighborhood lived in Shushan. That's the, that was the Borough Park back then. Shushan. Is Yehudi Hayab Shushan Avira? Comes the Medrash, and the Medrash says that he's called Yehudi. But there's a klal in Tanakh that the letter He and the letter Ches are interchangeable. The letter He and the letter Ches are interchangeable. Need some. <laughs> Save me some, right? The letter He and the letter Ches are interchangeable. Right? You have an Aleph, you have a He, you have an Ayin, you have a Ches. They're interchangeable. So the word Yehudi could be read what? Yechidi. Yechidi. So what does that mean? Ish Yechidi Haya B'Shushan Abira. There was one Jew in Shushan. There's one Jew. Now, now, not only are we saying that the Megillah is making note of the fact that there was a Jew in Shushan, it says, There was one Jew in Shushan. One Jew. So what's Behoyer Shushan? So Allah V'Samecha. What's Behoyer Shushan Navoycha? What does that mean? He's called Ish Yehudi Ish Yechidi. Now the Mishnah, in Masech the Megillah and Daf Yotes, brings the three-way machloik as how much of the Megillah do you need to read? How much of the Megillah do you need to read? Says the Mishnah, Look at number six. Megillah Daf Yotes. Where should a person read the Megillah from? Number one, Rameir Oymar Kula. Rameir says you need to read the whole Megillah. You need to read the whole Megillah. That's how we paskin, by the way. Even though normally we don't paskin like Rameir. Rameir was the greatest of all the, all the Tanoim, but he was so deep nobody could comprehend him. Right? But in this instance, interestingly, we paskin like Rameir. Reb Yehuda Oimer, Meyesh Yehudi. Reb Yehuda says you don't have to read from the beginning. You don't, we don't care about Achashverosh's power. We don't care about his party. All you need to do is read from Ish Yehudi. Reb Yosi Oimer, Meachar Hadvarim Ha'ela. Right? Achar Hadvarim Ha'ela, Gidal Hamelch Achashverosh S. Haman. Then the Gemara brings a fourth opinion. Rav Shemar Yechai Oimer, Mi Balai Lahahu. Mi Balai Lahahu. Says Rabbi Yechanan, all these four opinions, they learn it out from the same source. From the Pasuk, Vatichtoiv, Esther, Hamalka, Umardachai, Hayyhudi, Eskol, Toikev. Right? Vatichtoiv, Esther, Hamalka, Umardachai, Eskol, Toikev. Eskol, Toikev. They have the tissue box. As call, as call, toikef. Thank you. So, says the Gemara, as call toikef, whose power? They wrote down all the toikef. Whose power do they record? Says the, the Gemara. Man Omar kula, the opinion that holds you have to lay in the whole Megillah, you need to read about the strength of Achashverosh. The opinion in the Gemara that you only have to read from Mordechai. you only need to read about the strength of Mordechai. So according to the opinion that holds, you only have to read from Yehudi. you read from Yehudi. Um, why? You have to lean about the toikef of Mordechai, the power of Mordechai. We're, so that's a reason to lean from Yehudi. How in the Pasuk of Yehudi do you see anything about the Toikef of Mordechai? You see anything about how strong or great or powerful Mordechai is? Because there's a Pasuk, there was a Jew in Shushan. How does this illustrate the greatness of Mordechai Yatzadah? The power of Mordechai Yatzadah? Okay, so we have a number of questions on the table. 
Mordechai crossed the river. Who cares? Mordechai lived in Shushan. All the Jews lived in Shushan. And then we have an opinion. You need to start laying the Megillah from this Yehudi. Why? You need to. You have to know everything about the Toikef, the power of Mordechai. How do you see from this pasuk of the power of Mordechai? Okay. What is really the main offering for tonight is the following observation. Nineteen times in Megillah Esther, you have a reference to the city that the story took place in, which of course is Shushan. Ten times it's written one way. Nine times it's written a different way. How's that? Ten times in Megillah Esther, it's written Shushan Habira. Yeah? I'm practicing. Yeah? Fine. That's the number seven. And then, when the, the, the days were over, Okay, that's the name of the city. Then you come to when Haman and Achashosh issue the edict. Look at number 10. Hashegen hakasav. The edict is issues. He not saying does chomadim na galoy lachol amim liyosas sidim na yem azeh haratzim yatsu dechufim v'daramelch veados nenaha zushana vira. Okay, so far so good. Vehamelech vehamon yashul l'shtoyes. No, they are here. Ah, here we go. They are here. Shushan avaycha. Shushan. And not Shushan Habira. Basket done. Why Shushan and not Shushan Habira? It lost its name. It lost the Bira part. What happened? Well, here's Shushan. Everywhere until now, it's Shushan Habira, Shushan Habira. All of a sudden, in the same Pasuk, you have two different names of the city. The first time it's Shushan Habira, and then it's just Shushan. And this is the question of the Sefer Sufsei Chachamim on Mesechda Megillah. On Mesechda Megillah. Okay. By the way, if I'm singing, that means I'm starting to get comfortable over here. Usually I'm much worse, so just starting, I'm just starting. Okay. Who wrote the Simpson? Who wrote it? You can't ask questions I don't know the answer to. <laughs> okay. Look at number 12. Um, one of the Achronim. Not so long ago. Look at number 12. Um, so we have, Miguel says to Perikdal at Posik Tezayin. says, Leich Kenois is called Hayehudim, Hanimsayim Bishushan. Yeah, go gather all the Jews that are found in Shushan. Again, doesn't say Shushan Habira. Okay, v'tsumo alai v'altoichlu v'altishdu shloish esyamim la'elaviyam. So sometimes Shushan Habira and sometimes Shushan. Now, interesting. I want I want to uh, focus your attention. Look back at number eight. When Achashverosh made the party, Asa Hamelech l'cholam hanimtsim. What do you mean, Hanimtha and Bishushan Habira? That are found? Usually people are only found if they're lost. It should say, What's Hanimtha that are found? What does that mean? What do you mean they're found? Okay. 
Look at number 13. When the good news happens and Haman is... Now this is... We're going to give you a little English lesson just to take a little brief uh, interruption. So now you have a picture. You move into a house. You take the picture. And what do you do to the picture? The picture is... No? Hung. 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 Not hanged. Don't be namarats. The picture is hung. But if you take a guy, Saddam Hussein was... Hanged. hanged, not hung. There's a difference between a gavra and a chepsa. A gavra is hanged, a chepsa is hung. Okay? A gavra is hanged, a chepsa is hung. Important to know. So, Haman was hanged. They took Haman, they hanged him. So the, the Pasuk says, Behados nidna, look at number 13, Bishushan habira, the edict was in the shabira. And then Umar the Chayatum Neyamel Levush Malchus Tchelas Lachur Vatar Zavgav Ve'Ayer Shushan There is Shushan and not Shushan Habira. So we have a little bit of a confusion here. Ten times in the Gilas Esther it's Shushan Habira. Nine times it's Shushan. Okay. Shushan Purim, not Shushan Habira Purim. Okay, we'll think about that one. Okay. Listen to this. Look in the end of, look at number 14. This is a very difficult uh, incident at the end of the Megillah. So Achashverosh tells Esther, here, take Haman's house, take his possessions, and do with him whatever you want. So the Pasuk says that in Shushan Habira, Horgu HaYehudim V'yabed, they murdered and they destroyed, Chamesh Meosish, 500 people, and the ten sons of Haman, Parshandosa, Dalfin, Azosa, Rosa, and so on and so forth. Aseris Bnei Haman, fine. So then after the Jews killed their enemies in Shushan Habira, it says in Pasuk Yon Aleph, they counted all the slain in Shushan Habira, and the king says to Esther, then in Shushan Habira they killed 500 people, now says Bnei Haman, what would you like, honey? Whatever you want, I'll give you a request. So Esther says, Vatam Esther, Im alamelech toiv, yinosein gam machar la Yehudim asher b'shushan. Tomorrow, let the Jews in Shushan do lasas kedasayim. What they did today, they killed today five hundred enemies. Let them do the same thing tomorrow. Sachashver says, whatever you want. And they gave an edict in Shushan, and on Shushan the next day they killed another three hundred. Question: They spent an entire day murdering enemies in Shushan. So what does Esther come up with? Right? Esther says, whatever you want. Esther says. We want to do it again. Esther, you just spent the entire day killing people. That's what you want? <coughs> They're dead already. Why did Esther ask to kill more people in the same place? And the Pasuk says, Ah, oh, Achazur said, you want to do it again? Do it again. But Esther was so cruel, it was such an achzar, that she purposely requested to kill again people in the same place? What's going on over here? So a few different historical points that we have to look into. And that is, where was Shushan? And what is Shushan Habira? There's a very interesting Pasuk in Daniel. Sefer Daniel and Perak Ches Pasuk Beis. Look at number 17. For Erev, the Chazan Daniel says, I saw in a vision. And I saw it. And I saw it. And I was in Shushan Abira. Hersta Maisa, Daniel was in Shushan Abira. Ba'asher Be'elam, which was in the capital, Hamadina. Va'era Bechazain, and I saw in a vision, Va'ani Hoyisi al Uval Ulai. And I was standing on Uval Ulai. 
What in the world is Uva Lulai? Pasuk and Daniel. Maybe you didn't get up to there yet. You're probably still up to Perk Zion. Right? What is Uva Lulai? So Rav Sadjigoin says, Uval Ulai is the door of a building. Daniel is saying, he was standing at the door, Uval, the gate, Ulai, of a building. But says Rav Sadjigoin, V'yesh Oimrim, Nohar Chazak, it was a strong river. Uval, river, Ulai, the river Ulai, the Ulai River, the well-known Ulai River, in the middle of Persia, right? Have, we, have, we have any Persians here? In Shushan Abir, are you personally familiar with the Uval River? No. Well, neither is of Sadyagain. Because if Sadyagain says this pshat is wrong, my opinion is not true. There no, ain't no rivers in Shushan. It's a well-known song. Ain't no rivers in Shushan, right? There are no rivers in Shushan. Comes Rashi. Rashi says, Al Uval Ulai, Al Hanor Uval. On the river called Ulai, excuse me, Al-Hanor Shekara Shmai Ulai. Now, look, I've learned in Yeshiva many years, I learned many Machlaikas in. I never had a Machlaikas Mishonim. Was there a river in this city or was there not? What kind of Machlaikas is that? We have Machlaikas, Rav Sadia Goin and Rashi. Rav Sadia Goin says there's no, there's no river in Shushan Abira. Rashi says, yeah, that was the river Ulai. Kind of, <laughs> talk about it, right? In Yeshiva, they, they say, you can't have Machlaikas in Metzias. So was there a river? Was there no river? Let me tell you a little story. A number of years ago, this is a great Talmud Chacham, Rav Nachum Kashar. Hope I don't get in trouble now. Who um, is a very big scholar associated with Ger Chasidos. And he found in an ancient manuscript when on the Chamesh Megillus and on Sefer Eoiv, Something called the dream of Mordechai. Anyone here ever hear of the dream of Mordechai? I never heard of the dream of Mordechai. It's not brought down in the Gemara, it's not brought down in any of the Midrashim or in any of the Targums. But in an ancient manuscript of Megillah's Esther, in behind Targum Sheni, there's something called the dream of Mordechai. And we have it here on the sheet. The only place this is printed is in the Sefer Torah Shlema on Megillah's Esther. Rav Kasha wrote on, on Tanakh, on Chumash, something called Torah Shlema. And he has here a... a a very unusual uh, graphic dream that Mordechai had. Mordechai's nightmare. Listen to the nightmare. And uh, here he has it in the original uh, uh, Aramaic. By the way, the dream really appears in Medrash Rabbah as well, uh, number 22. But here we have it in the way it appears in an ancient manuscript. In the second year, and he translates it into Hebrew, we're going to read the Hebrew. In the second year of King Ahasuerus' reign, Mordechai Ayudi has a dream. And in the dream, there's an earthquake, there's lightning, there's uh, thunder, there's uh, the whole world is shaking. And Mordechai, in his dream, he sees two serpent heads, and they're clashing. They're clashing, like, you know, like the, like the helmets that clash, Lahavdil. So the two serpents that are clashing. And Mordechai is frightening. And in between the two serpents are a small nation. And that nation is being threatened to be swallowed up and completely destroyed. Okay? And the world becomes dark and cloudy and raining. And he cries out, Mordechai cries out to Hashem. And the two serpents are fighting with each other, ripping each other's throat out. And all of a sudden, Mordechai 
sees that in between the two serpents, a small li- little river starts streaming between them. And the river gets bigger, and the river gets bigger, and the river gets bigger, and the sun comes out. And all of a sudden, the one of the angry serpents dies, and light and uh, sunshine comes to the world. And Mordechai woke up in a cold sweat. That's just my rabbinic editorial edition. It doesn't say he woke up in a cold sweat. And he never told anybody about the dream. And then when Haman made the decree, Mordechai tells Esther, you know what? This was the dream I had many years ago. Comes the Rebbe, Rabbi Yonis and Rabbi Yonis and Ibishitz, and Rabbi Yonis and Ibishitz gives us a new understanding of Megillah Esther. And he starts off with the following introduction. An introduction that's not going to make us feel very comfortable. But that's what I'm here for. And that is, there was a story, and the story goes like this. There was um, some guys on a boat, on a cruise, obviously kosher cruise, obviously. And um, there's one guy in his cabin, and he's enjoying himself. What he's doing, I don't know. What do you do? It's like you're in jail over there. You can't, you, and it's bad. Not only you have to be on the ship, you have to hear chazonus also. I mean, and he's, but he's enjoying himself. He's enjoying himself. And there are a bunch of lowlifes on the bottom of the ship, and there's one guy digging a hole in the ship. So they go to the guy, to the upstanding citizen. He said, you know, you know what's going to happen? He said, what do you want from me? You see any holes in my cabin? It's not my problem. Let those guys do whatever they want. Obviously, it's one ship. And if one crazy guy makes a hole, the whole ship's going down. Says Rabbi Yonis and I, the same thing in the shul. Most of the people are not talking. 98% of the people, who cares? There's always going to be two guys in the back. Or Kiddush Club, it's, it's inevitable. That's what happens in a shul. Yeah, but it's one shul. And one guy makes a hole, the shul goes down. That's it. You can't tolerate it. So whose problem is? Not the rub's problem. It's your problem. It's your problem and it's your problem. Why? What do you want from me? That if you don't go over and say, excuse me, you know, this is a shul, really... Then when you go up to Shamayim, you're going to be punished for Kiddush Club. You're going to be punished for talking. That's the way it is. Call Yisrael Ravim Zelazan. Nobody has more responsibility than anybody else. That is an important idea, says Rabbi Yonasan Ibishas. Kalal Yisrael is responsible for each other. Especially, whoever the leaders are, whoever the Tamich HaChamim are, whoever the G'daylam are, they have an Achrayas. It's, of course, very comfortable to sit in your Dalet Amos and to lower your eyes and make believe, look, I'm davening nicely, I'm not talking, I'm having kabana. So let them dig a hole in their own neshamas. My neshama is still, glu- is still clean. Says Rav Yonis and Ibishetz, every Jew has to guard and watch out for somebody else. Otherwise, it's their problem. It's their problem. Says Rav Yonis and Ibishetz, let's first establish some historical points. If you look in the Ibn Ezra, go back to... Number 16. The Ibn Ezra implies that the entire story, Mordechai's hanging out by the palace, he's hanging out by the palace, until Esther calls him and he makes his way to the rest of the people. So, so if you understand, just let me explain something to you. There are two parts of the city. There's Shushan and there's Shushan Habira. Say, what? Yeah. Every capital in the world whether it's Washington, D.C., or some other capitals, even if it's a capital city, there's a capital district within the city. 
And in the capital district, you have the palace, or you have the White House, or you have the main building, and all the government officials live in the proximity. And the capital district is usually separated from the rest of the city by something, be it a wall, be it a river, be it um, some kind of uh, toll collector. That's the reality of the world. Every capital city has a capital district. There's something called Shushan Habira. Shushan Habira is where the king lived. That's where all the officers lived. That's where Haman lived. And Mordechai also lived there. But he was the only Jew who lived there. So Mr. Easton, who came all the way from Queens, said, what's Mordechai doing there? Oh, Mordechai is Yehudi. He's Yehidi. He's the only Jew in Shushan Habira. Why? What would a Jew be doing in Shushan Abir? How would a Jew ever get access to Shushan Abir? What would he be doing in Shushan Abir? But Mordechai, Asher Heglaha, Amirushalayim, Imagoy Lazar Im Yechanya Melachiyu, that he was exiled with royalty. So he was already associated with royalty. He had the royal pass. He ended up in Shushan Habira. Ish Yehudi Haya B'Shushan Abira. There was one lone Jew in Shushan Abira. Ish Yehudi, Ish Yechidi, the only Jew in Shushan Abira. All the other Jews were in Shushan. Mordechai is in Shushan Abira. What separates them? A river. But Rav Sadi Goyen says there's no river in Shushan. Avada, there's no river in Shushan. Very often, the palace of the king was separated. This is my own little addition for whatever it's worth. Remote. Yeah, remote. You have some body of water. Is it a river? It's not the Mississippi River. It's not the Hudson River. It's a body. It's a stream. By the way, Rashi calls Orkama Demaya Shipula Denara. It's a little stream. Rav Sadiqon says, I don't see it on the map. Rashi's masking. It's not on the map. The water in front of the moat of the king, it's not going to be on the map. But there is a geographical barrier between Shushan Abira and Shushan. And all the Jews were in Shushan, but the Tzaddik and the God of Hadar, he lives in the gate of the, of the king. Right? He's right there. He lives in the capital district. Esther says, Hey, Mordechai, you're a Gadol? You can't be by yourself. You're just going to let the rest of the Jews just wither away and fade away and let them do their averos. And, but Shalom Aleich, Nafshi, I'm in my house. It's good. You need to go out and associate with the people. You have to create chevrashaft with the people. You need to have relationships with the people. Cross that river. The physical river, the symbolic river. You have to go out and rub shoulders with the people. Otherwise, you'll never be able to elevate them. That's a hard concept. Not easy for every gadol to do. It's very comfortable to be in the Dalet Amos. Esther says, Leich kinois is Yehudim. You need to cross the river. And that's what Mordechai does. He crosses the river. And he calls out to the Yidin. And he's elevating the Yidin. And, he, and he's mashpia on them. But he needed to cross the river. That's why the, the Megillah tells us, Vayavar Mordechai says, Shmuel, he crossed our Kuma Damaya. Ah, comes. By the way, you know, in talking about talking, there was um, there were two people in the shul. They were talking by laning. The prophet says, "What are you doing? It's laning." He said, "What do you want? Being gavra le gavra, not a problem." Gavra le gavra, yeah. Okay. Anyway, comes Rabbi Yonis and he says, "According to this, yeah, nothing." 
comes to Vienna Sanaibashit. And he says, now we understand the nuance of difference between Shushan and Shushan Habira. Why is that? So we're going to add the following. Rav Ruvain Margolius was one of the great Achoinim, but he, was a, he lived in the last century, in the 20th century. It's a very interesting God of Yisrael. He wrote many Svarim, wrote about 55 Svarim. He wrote on Kabbalah, he wrote on Mesechta Sanhedrin, Margolius Hayam, he wrote on the Zayar, he wrote on various Gedol Yisrael, on the Marshan, the Archaim HaKadosh. And he writes a very interesting phenomenon. He says, in Golos, the one thing that Jewish people suffer from is Jewish pride. We don't have any Jewish pride. Why is that? Because in the way the world works is that if we hear something from our Sfarim, let's say we hear some like far out story from the Gemara, we dismiss it. Agarata, it's Agarata. You have to understand what it means. When you hear something from a guy, he could be a Manuval, a Mamzer, everything. Oh, Torah Misinai! The guy said it. See, not me, not me. It says, in history also. You read a historical event in the Gemara, I don't know what it means, let's look at here, let's look there. But if you read it in the history of the Jews, Paul Johnson, then Torah Misinai. Really, it shouldn't be that way. It's just we don't have enough self-esteem to trust ourselves and to be pride. He says it's with that in science also. Right? Uh, push it. You know, growing up. Rabbi said, television is not good for you. Eh, what do they know? What do they know? But oh, when the psychologist says that television it creates ADHD, oh, now we believe and now we trust it. The Rabbanim say it? No. Right? You have an internet asifa, extremism, zealots. Yeah, when psychologists say it destroys the mind, oh, then, then now we take it seriously. That's how it is. That is that we suffer from that in Gullahs. We suffer from Jewish pride. We do not give the same credibility to our authentic sources as we do to secular sources. Secular source, it's Torah Misinai. Well, says Rabbi Margolis, unfortunately in our century, people began doubting the Purim story. It's a legend. He says, even though, I mean, it's impossible. You have a Gemara Megillah. You have Megillah's Tainus, which was written very close after it happened. You had a Yom Tif that Klaizer was celebrating. Already we have record in history of celebrating it immediately after it happened. And Baruch Hashem, in this century, archaeologists dig up the palace. And you have the palace. And you have the Chatzar, Ginas, the Habisan. And you have the Armoin. And you have the river. And you have the rest of the city. And all the various cracks and crevices described in Megillus Esther are confirmed by modern archaeology. Says Rav Margolis, with this we could explain all 19 psukim in Megillus Esther. When does it say Shushan Abira? And when does it say Shushan? Anytime it's talking about what Achashverosh is doing, or, or an edict he issues, or a proclamation that he gives, or something related to Haman, it's a Shushan Abira, that's where it happened. Anytime it discusses Klal Yisrael, Klal Yisrael doesn't live in Shushan Abira, they live in Shushan proper, they live in Shushan. So going back, look at number 4. Ish Yehudi Haya B'Shushan Abira. It's a chidush. It's taka novelty. That there was a Jew, not in Shushan, but in Shushan Abira. Look at number 7. Bayomim Ha'im Kishavet Samad Ha'jah Kizma Ha'zah Asher Shan Abira. He's not sitting in Shushan. His throne is in Shushan Abira. And when the party, when those, that party was over, he made a party L'Chol Ha'am Ha'nimsim B'Shushan Abira. Why Nimsim? Because regu- regular plebeiums 
They don't live in Shushan Abira. But the ones that happened to have found themselves over there, he made a party for them. And where does he gather the Naroi Basula? Where do he have the beauty contest? For the Yidin and Shushan? It's for him. Shushan Abira. Look at number 10. Haratzim Yatsu Nitna. Where was the edict issued? But was confounded and confused. So the edict was issued in Shushan Abira. But Klal Yisrael was Navoicha Shushan. Or in number thirteen, when the good news came out, where was the edict issued? Shushan Abira. But Vehair Shushan. Beautiful. Ah, so comes the sefer, and Rav Magolat says this as well, and he says the following. If you look at the end of the Megillah, look at number fourteen. Achashverosh gives permission to the Jews in Shushan Abira to kill their enemies. Over Shushan Abira, Hargu Hayehudim Biabid, Chamesh Meyosish, and the Asheres Bnei Haman. Ah, so where are they killing their enemies? In Shushan Abira. Look in Pasuk Yudbeis. In Shushan Abira, they killed 510 sons of Haman. Well, what else would you like, Esther? Pasuk Yudgimel. So Esther says, listen carefully. That the Jews killed their enemies in Shushan Abira on the 13th. Let's, let's kill the enemies in Shushan on the 14th. Says, remember my goal is, Shushan was like a, a hornet's nest of those nasty Amalekim, Haman and his Hebra. So the first place they went in is in, into, into a um, Tabul, into a, you know, the, the Taliban over there in the palace. That's where all of Haman's cohorts were. So they killed 500 Hebra in Shushan Abira. So Esther says, do us a favor. We still have a few Hebra in our, in our neck of the woods in Shushan. So Esther says, you know, we'll give you another day, not in Shushan Abira, in Shushan, and Taka on the next day, they killed 300 more Amalekim, not in Shushan Habira, but in Shushan, says Rabbi Magolas, as well as the Sifse Chachamim. Ah, so one last thing, says the Sifse Chachamim. Now we understand the Manda Omar that says, that where do you lay in the Megillah? From Ishihudi. And where did he get it from? Because it says right down, it's called Toikef. And from this Pasuk, we're supposed to see the Toikef of Mordechai. How in the Pasuk, Ishihudi, Haya, B'Shushan, Abira, do you see the Toikef of Mordechai? The answer is, you see his greatness. He's the only Yidala who's in Shushan, Abira. Ishihudi, Haya, B'Shushan, Abira. All the other Yidin were in Shushan. But here you have one man with royal blood, who even from the moment of his exile, always lives, B'Shar HaMelech. Okay. One interesting thing of note is that even though Mordechai crossed that river, at the end of the Megillah, he went back to the Shammah. What do you mean? What happened to Esther's Musr Shmuz? Associate with the people. You have to be involved. You have to be friendly. Apparently, it's not clear when, uh, when yes and when not. Apparently, Mordechai felt for the purpose of elevating them, being mashpi on them, a certain type of association was needed, and then after that, he retreats back. So what do you see from here? There is a very fine balance that Mordechai had to make between when it was appropriate to associate and to be close, 
and when it was appropriate to withdraw. And that's, there are many different shittas and what role, you know, let's say certain, certain uh, opinions are. The Rebbe has a certain uh, covet that he maintains, and a certain dignity and a certain separation, and others are more into the interaction. But there is certainly a balance, and it's a very thin balance, and a very hard balance to manage. And apparently Esther instructed Mordechai to cross that river, but then he retreated and he retracted. Something to think about. One last pshat, a beautiful pshat, in the river that Mordechai crossed. Vayavor Mordechai, Mordechai crossed the river. Let's take a look, number 25. One of the uh, most important perushim, if not the most important perush, Amigos Esther, the Manois Halevi, Rav Shloima Al-Kabetz. Shom Al-Kabetz, the author of Chadoidi, he was a contemporary of the Arizal, and he wrote the classic work on Megillah, Sesamonis Levi, which, by the way, he sent as a Shalach Manas to, I believe, his brother-in-law. And Rav Shom Al-Kabetz asked, Mordechai crossed the river? Who cares? I mean, he's going to the Jews. Did he also step over a rock? I mean, that's, why is the Megillah mentioning it? <clears throat> Says the Manis Levi. Who cares? Three Manis cares. He was going to do a mitzvah. He didn't just walk. There was a little river he had to cross over. Don't think Hashem forgot about that. When a person's doing a mitzvah, every little energy that he exerts is so chashiv in the eyes of Hashem that Hashem said, no, we have to write this in the Gospel that he crossed the river. We can't overlook it. Yeah, but big deal. Is it really important that he crossed the river? He would have got anywhere. Yeah. That little bit extra effort that he did makes all the difference in the world. Nothing is forgotten. You come to a shir, and it was a little bit harder, the Yibam Shem writes out, the Sefer Hazikaron, you were extra tired tonight, and you came anyway. Any little inconvenience, any little struggle, any little tsar, any little yagiyah you put into any mitzvah, is so chashim in the eyes of Hashem. Every, Rosh Hashiva always quoted, the words of the Chavis Havava, it's very important words. Don't, don't ever forget these words. Chavis Havava says, in the Shar Cheshven HaNefesh, look at number 26. Let it not be little in your eyes any good deed that you do. Even one extra word. Or a glance. A small thing that you do is very great in the eyes of Hashem. See, tomorrow, you know... I'm going to come 30 seconds earlier to Minyan. See, it's 30 seconds earlier. What's an Afkamina? Think anybody cares? You come, thir- you come 10 seconds early. The smallest thing that you do is unbelievable in the eyes of Hashem. It's tremendous. Cannot be overlooked. Mordechai crossed over a river. Who cares? The Rebbeinu Shalom cares. He makes a big deal of it. Give you a great mashal. Beautiful mashal. Excuse the analogy. Yes, a guy learns twice a week or three times a week, right? You have two people. One guy learns twice a week, one guy learns Is there a big difference? The difference is astronomical. Somebody told me there's a certain kind of game, it's called baseball. I heard once upon something they play in America. If a player goes two for seven, two for seven, yeah? What's his batting average? No? Anybody know? Calculator? 250. Nah, higher. 280s, yeah? 
He does that for 20 years. He retires. 10 years later, nobody ever heard of him. If he goes three for seven, he's banged 400. Even Honus Wagner only had one season of 400. He would be the greatest player ever to play the game. What are you doing already? It's just one extra hit in seven at-bats. Say, what difference? Like, twice a week or three times a week? In the real world, it's the difference between mediocrity and all-time greatness. And in Olam Haba, it makes an even bigger difference. Nothing is lost in the eyes of Hashem. Every small maisa that a person does has such earth-shattering ramifications. Tremendous ramifications. That's the Indian. Mordechai crossed the river. We can't forget even the smallest exertion that a person does for a mitzvah. And we should all be zoicha to learn all the Yemudim on Megillah Sester. And we should have Agun Chodesh, Chodesh, Shenepach, Miyogun, Asimcha, Mishenechnas Adar, Marbim, Asimcha. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.